Okay, I'm going to talk about um, fans and followers, whether you're a fan of Jesus or following him. I'm going to look at, first of all, what's an attribute of a fan? Anyone give me any ideas? <laughs> they do? <laughs> they tell everyone, yeah? <laughs> the fish stickers on the cars. Yeah? Hard to talk to. Are they? Yeah? <laughs> what about owning a Jesus T-shirt? Merchandise, yeah? One-eyed? Are they committed to their, their team? Are they willing to make sacrifices for that team? Probably. When they're winning. Good point. <laughs> what about cheer squad? Have I got a cheer squad in here? Woo-hoo! Where's my pom-poms, Heidi? <laughs> um, sorry, hang on. <laughs> Do you think that maybe their idea of Jesus is just when it's convenient? Being a fan doesn't involve any commitment to change. You can be a fan of someone and know all about them, but it doesn't mean that you're willing to give up your life for them. You need to be able to behave like them or try to behave like them in every aspect of their life. You can be a fan of a sports star. You can be a fan of someone else, a movie star or a singer, but you're not going to change your life to be like them. Now, if you're a follower, here are some attributes. I can't even say that word. So Jesus had followers. They truly loved him. They were disciples, which meant they learnt from him and they tried to be exactly like him in every way of their lives. They followed him around. They did what he did. Um, It's long term. They don't just wear the Jesus (laughs) T-shirt. They have a few in their drawer. Um, They trust their leader, Jesus, um, and they ask What have I done for you lately, Jesus? They love one another and they love their enemies. Following Jesus is is about giving up your control and giving it to him. So my journey from fan to follower. Now I'm probably going to read a bit of this. I've not always been a follower. Surprise, surprise. When I first became a Christian, I was 21 and I considered myself a follower But upon reflection, I see that I was only a fan at that point in my life. I would even say that until just before I began Bible college, which was only three and a bit years ago maybe, that I was still a fan then. Early on in my journey, early on in my walk as a a Christian, I'd wanted to go to Bible college, but I I even approached a Bible college and they wanted me there and I had my brother and and our best friend convince me that it wasn't worth going to Bible college. Who wants to be someone that's a hairdresser and a preacher and earn no money? And a single mum on top of that. So very quickly I was dissuaded from that idea and just carried on life as, as I was going. Which to me says I was just a fan. I wasn't willing to be obedient. I didn't want to be a fan. I want to be a committed follower, but I'd grown up knowing how to keep rules and was able to do so if I chose if I chose to. So when I became a Christian, I felt that I needed to act the part and look the part. I knew what to say and how to behave in front of certain people. And I could be something completely different on the weekend in the nightclub. And I used to kid myself that I was actually, you know, um, witnessing. Yeah. So, yeah, I wore a mask all the time. I didn't realise that I put this mask on. 
But I did get real pleasure from watching others when they just had become Christians and how they were so raw and real and, you know, they, they might swear, they might, you know, like they were just them and they just had learned to accept Jesus as their saviour. And I just never got that. So I think I looked up to them thinking, what have they got but I, I'm missing? Yeah, I just transferred all the, the rules that um, I'd had to learn as a child, how I was to behave and, and everything over into my Christian walk. And having come from a small church, I've never been discipled, which I think is probably a major part of that. And I think that everyone needs to be discipled. I ended up going to Hillsong Church, which is where I learnt my first ever Bible verse, which is Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. If you don't know it, it's trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Now, I, I did do this. I learnt and slowly God instilled that into me that I understood what it meant. But it wasn't until I went to Bible college that I actually began to grasp what it meant to be a true follower. And God started to peel back the layers and the masks that I'd put on over time and all the head knowledge that I'd had of how I should behave and what I should look like. He, um, he just transferred that to heart knowledge. And it was actually a tangible feeling as, it, as like the penny dropped. I remember watching the, the DVD and or the lecture and just the feeling of it, just like the penny dropped. It was just amazing. And um, life changed. <laughs> so at the time when I learnt that verse, I didn't realise it was teaching me something that was vitally important for me to learn for my Christian walk. And eventually I learnt what it meant to trust in the Lord with all my heart and not try and understand why things were happening. Over time I let him into each area of my life and let him change me from the inside out. Through that process, I have learnt to accept myself for who I am and the things I consider faults in myself, I'm beginning to see they're not glitches but planned for God's purpose. I, know I now need to recognise how God wants me to use them for his glory rather than me be someone I'm not to please others' expectations. God wants us to come to him as we are. We don't need to get our act together first. We're going to look at obedience and what that means. And um, what it means to us as Christians, and I'll give you some examples. But I want to point out also that obedience is um, built on a foundation of trust and surrender. We need to be able to trust and surrender our will to God in order to be obedient to him. Recently, I, I had a really hard year last year, just stressed and just like the work that God was showing me about who I was. Poor Noel, he had to deal with all this. And probably a few other people. <laughs> but um, I, I just found that I was totally drained of giving everything to everyone else. Everyone needed something from me and I just had nothing to give. And this one day, Heidi actually had kinder. Noel was going to be at the factory and I had no agenda for the day except for to do whatever I wanted, which was just to be with God. Study had finished and I was just like, that was my whole agenda, was just to be with God. And I got a phone call from someone I don't know very well um, and she was in need of help. She needed someone to drive her to fix up some accounts and such like. And she 
I was going through her phone and she found my name and thought she'd asked me. Now, I had a fleeting thought of, oh, it's my day. It's my time with God and I don't have, you know, this is the only time I've, I've got with him. I haven't had any time with him for so long. And then it was like, no, I actually do need to go. I need to take this lady that's the right thing to do. Not the right thing to do, but I just felt prompted that that's what I should do. So I did. And that time I spent with her was so refreshing. Um, We spent hours talking in the car once I dropped her home and just being really real, like just totally raw. She probably knows things about me that other people don't know about me. And it was just, yeah, she was telling me things about her. It was, I felt really blessed that I took that opportunity that God had placed on my heart to accept even though I didn't want to, you know, I was, I was blessed by that. Now, Jesus demonstrated obedience when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew he was about to be separated from the Father. He was completely alone for the first time with Satan and the fallen angels, torturing him and delighting in his agony. He prayed to God, asking if there was any other way and to let it be. Despite knowing what was to happen, he still obeyed with the stakes of obedience being deep inward feelings rather than intellect and in a way he'd never experienced before. He became the captain of our salvation, experiencing everything we experience but remained sinless. Now, surrender. Here we go. (laughs) Simon Stilates, I think his name is. He was um, a desert father. Now, these people, this isn't an actual picture of him because they didn't have cameras back then. But um, what they used to do is they used to go into the desert and build poles and sit at the top of the pole to um, – originally it was, it was to do with leaving your possessions behind. Uh, oh, yes, Matthew nineteen twenty one. there we go. Um, perfection could be achieved by selling all of one's possessions, giving the proceeds to the poor and following Christ. So what these monks used to do was they used to sell everything, go and live in the desert, climb up these poles – and they used to live at the top of these poles and people used to climb ladders and give them food and, and such like. And this Simon, he was actually Simon the Greater and his pole was, he, his pole ended up being 20 foot and then there was Simon the least, whose pole wasn't quite as high. <laughs> but they were surrendering everything for God because that's how they had interpreted that scripture, unfortunately. But they sought complete solitude and, and God did bless them through that too. Now recently, recently, before I started Bible college, I had to surrender to God too. I was doing a teaching degree, which I really enjoyed. It caused a lot of stress for me and the family. Poor Noel, again. And um, I prayed and I asked people for advice about what I should do and I just didn't feel God was telling me one way or the other. So my theory is you keep going until God tells you otherwise. But this one night, things just got on top of me and there was so much noise and I had, like I was so stressed and Heidi was throwing a tantrum and Noel was on the bed. He just had his shoulder operated on. The boys were fighting. It was just, yeah, really, it was a really hard time and I just couldn't focus on what I was reading. So I thought, oh, need some brain space. I'll get on Candy Crush. That's my time out. And 
So I sat down, got out the phone, was playing Candy Crush and all I remember is the room being silent and all of a sudden God just flashed these pictures of a video clip I'd had to watch for, for uni and I'd seen it as this teacher being this wonderful person who was dedicated to her students and when I'd watched it I was like, yes, that's who I'm going to be. But what God showed me was the other side. Now her husband had left her and he left her because she was so dedicated to the job and not to him. And God was showing me, hey, look, you're doing this and this is how your husband's feeling. He's feeling left out. You can't, no, that's enough. And he said, enough, enough. And he showed me this great big stop sign and all that sort of thing. So immediately the following morning, I withdrew from all my subjects. I did feel very angry. <laughs> I was very hurt. I felt that um, it wasn't that I had been doing what God wanted me to do and no one else was listening to God and because they weren't listening and because God wouldn't split up a family, that he would, you know, that they were being disobedient and I was being obedient and I had to suffer for it. So other people did get blamed a fair bit. Sorry. <laughs> but um, the next thing that happened was, we were doing um, a small group and we had to listen to God and journal. And when I was studying, I used to get up at 5am every day and spend two hours studying. As soon as I stopped studying, I stopped getting up at 5. I spent that time back in bed, sleeping like I actually, believe it or not, enjoy. <laughs> yeah, so that time I grabbed back. But through my journaling, God said to me, hey, you got up at 5 to study but you won't get up at five and spend that time with me. I want you to get up at five every day, spend two, two hours with me every day. So I did. Following morning, I started getting up at five and spent two hours with God every morning. And if Noel came in early, I didn't like it. He was like stealing time. <laughs> but I, I learned so much in that time. And over six months, my relationship with God increased and got stronger and my le I learnt to trust him more, learnt to hear him better. I was slowly heading towards, I guess, being a follower, you could say. And after six months of doing that, he told me to go to Bible college again. And I was a bit like, oh, really? Bible college? It sounds a bit boring. <laughs> okay, I'll go. And then he told me which one I needed to go to and I was like, oh, seriously? I wanted to go to the other one. <laughs> but okay, God. So I went to the one he told me to and by doing that I, I have met people who have encouraged me and I guess walked with me and helped me in my journey but also point out things too like yeah I had the dream to be a teacher and I still have that dream. So God places dreams in our hearts for a reason. We just need to work out what his reason is for them. It's not us that need to lead the dream, like to follow out the dream. It's God that guides it. So yeah, my now I'm at Bible college, but I plan on finishing that and then going on to do my masters. And I plan on actually le actually lecturing. So there's a the dream of teaching. It's still still in there. If I hadn't trusted God that He had a plan for me at the time, I probably just would have done whatever I felt like. I would have continued teaching and might have lost my family. 
I might have given up the teaching, but I might have gone to the Bible college that was just different and not been able to go further and teach like I want to. But we see Jesus also giving up his will too. When, Well, he tells us how to do it when he gave us the Lord's Prayer. Now, we often view obedience to mean that we're submitting to authority, to an authority figure, but this type of obedience is nothing like that. It actually gives us a sense of freedom and hope to discover who God has created us to be. It gives us freedom to step out in faith as we learn to trust God to equip us to fulfill his will with no fear of failure or of the future. He's got it all. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, (laughs) but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, dear heavenly father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh, why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh, okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm-hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running, I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward, but I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe four to five, maybe eight lines right here, that would be awesome. Hmm. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. The platypus? All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel, No, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. Mm. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust. 
Time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. <sighs> Hang on a second. I mean, I, I got to admit, I, I feel like you've been doing some great work and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um, it's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you That's know. That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things or life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. See, it's a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever going to hear is at the end of your life when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize. Heavenward. Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't. Talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years, these empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Um, allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not oh, my ways. Oh, I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning. I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah, but you and I both... What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um... I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. And chisel away. But just, just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there.
because I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror and I hate who I see. Because deep inside there, this, this, this little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult. And I go out and I, and I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away. Just be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not from me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? I just went, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh, my gosh. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me? And I feel so useless. If you'll take me and use me, then God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a, as a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you, but maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are.
and so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. So God's created us all for a purpose. We're all his masterpiece. And he has a calling for each one of us and gifts for each one of us. And we're all called together as a united body through the spirit to be one. Each person has been given the gifts and talents by God as his decided to give them to us we shouldn't be judging each other on who's got what or whether we want us we want to be like that person or anything like that we need to not be envious we need to be who God's created us to be to let him chisel away at us and to um yeah to accept ourselves for for who he's created by being obedient to God by giving up my study of teaching and spending that time with him each morning and then going to Bible college, I'm able to look at in hindsight and see that God has used it for his purpose. I love to study, which most of you probably already know, but until I was an adult, I hated study. <laughs> in fact, I left school and I finished year eight, nine. I've been a fan because I hadn't been discipled. I only had head knowledge. I had no one to teach me what it really meant to be a follower. They just assumed that I'd just fall into it, I think. So by going to Bible college, it became heart knowledge, which was great. It gave me permission to ask questions, and that was huge. To be able to ask questions and not feel bad about having questions was um, very... That's the word, liberating. Thank you. <laughs> but we need to allow Jesus into all areas of our lives. And we do this by renewing and transforming our minds. We need to choose God. We need to choose to, um, to be living his purpose for us and to be the image of him. So over time, he transforms us, as he did with me from the beginning when I started off as a fan. It's okay to be a fan. It's great to be a fan. But we need to slowly become a follower and to really understand what that means and to live out that the dream that he's placed in us because it's needed to be walked in to be able to fulfil his purpose. Now, he deals with different aspects of who we are and who we are is, is like an iceberg. What everyone sees is just the tip and there's so many roots that are deep down inside that he transforms. We don't necessarily know he's doing it most of the time and definitely other people wouldn't know what he's dealing with or what you're dealing with and I think we're too quick to judge others by what they're doing or what they're not doing especially within the church you know oh so and so never helps out but you know what are they doing at home for the church maybe they pray and they you know that there's just so many different gifts and talents that God's given us that we really need to be careful that we're not judging someone by what we're seeing on the outside. So others don't see the root cause of our external behaviours. But it's not an excuse to be ungodly. We should still be trying to be godly people and to be living as he would want us to. 
but yeah, without judgment. We're given the Holy Spirit to help us to become that person. We know that God uses all things in our past for his glory and um, to help us with journeys with other people. So, you know, if you've had an issue in the past, maybe alcohol, for instance, you're the perfect person to go and speak to someone who is having issues with that themselves. You know, you've got over it, you've got the experience, you've got the, the knowledge, you know how tough it is rather than someone that's never touched alcohol or never had a problem with it coming alongside them like why would you listen to them and that's not putting anyone down it's just I th- for me personally I would listen to someone that's experienced something that I'm experiencing by denying ourselves and carrying our cross daily to follow we won't be concerned by what others think of us and who we're created to be we're free to live as the person we were created to carry out God's work in the manner we were designed to use the gifts and talents given to us without having to pretend that we have more or less of each. God peels away the layers of us the world has placed upon us, the labels, expectations, lies, social expectations to reveal to us who he created us to be. This is a scary process as we feel out of control and I don't like that feeling. So when we feel discouraged, we need to remember that Jesus also felt discouraged when he was in the desert with Satan, which was just before his ministry. Satan did come and try and tempt him to dissuade him from the will of God. And Satan will do that to us too when we're going to be taking a step out into our our purpose, into our walk with God. As we grow stronger as a follower, he will attack and to try and stop everything that's going to happen. This is something that I get to struggle with at the start of most semesters. I feel something happens in the family that I need to now be at home. I can't study. I need to be dealing with this issue. And as soon as I recognise that, hey, hang on a minute, it's because Satan's attacking me. I'm actually doing what God wants me to do. The problem doesn't disappear, but it suddenly becomes becomes a lot smaller and more manageable. It's also something we had to deal with when we were building our factory. We had lots and lots of attack and we got through that together and by having a family, by having the body around us and supporting us and praying with us. But we knew that it was God's will for us to have the factory and we just kept going in faith and just trusted God and we felt that we were being obedient to God the whole time. But Satan kept on attacking, like I said. So he will do that. So don't be discouraged when that happens. You're about to step into something that's God's purpose. Let's look at Romans 7. This is a pretty cool verse. This is one that Noel likes. So I do not understand what I do, for I do what I want to do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do, not want to do, I agree that the law is good. I'm not going to go any any further than that because it's a bit of a tongue twister. But um, our eldest daughter, many, many years ago, she said pretty much exactly the same thing. She was upset one day and she turned to Noel and um, she told him, and I'm deliberately saying this word wrong, sometimes I'm a good human and sometimes I'm a bad human. Right now I'm trying to be a good human but I'm still in trouble. We 
oh, we can think that we are doing the right thing, but it's not what God wants for us that, at that time. So we can know what we're meant to do every day, but every day we will fail in some way, whether that's something large that others will notice or something that we thought even that no one will know unless we tell them. So we fail. But Paul also failed, as we can see from that verse. He tried, but he still just couldn't keep up. He was also known to kill Christians. And he then had a dramatic conversion and he admits that he still struggles with sin. So this helps us to forgive ourselves for not living up to God's expectations, no matter how hard we try, but still knowing that we're forgiven and we're just, we've got, we're in a sinful body. I guess what I'm trying to say is Catalyst is a body and we need to love each other and support each other as family does. And as a family, we all love each other, accept each other's faults, try and understand each other, um, support each other, encourage each other, give each other hope and purpose and just to come together as a body, to really working together to make the load light. Yeah, just to come together. To, each person has their own gifting that they need to be utilising. And if you don't know what it is, then I really encourage you to try and discover where your gifting is and your talents are and how it could be used for Catalyst. And, but also the challenge could be how you use it at home. Like where, you, where does that fit in at home with your own family? I know we've got the five of us or six of us at home and we're all very different and it can be very challenging sometimes with different personalities and passions and what have you. It can be very difficult. In fact, I've meant to be doing homework this week of working out how we could utilise our giftings as a family. So, yeah, I'll just encourage you to work out what yours are and how you could use them for the church and, yeah, surrender to God and be obedient. Be obedient to your calling.